I mean, our, our, the way our system that we teach is serving our customers. We're, we're showing empathy by, I, I said this earlier, asking, you know, if we're parked, okay, may I come in? Um, if, if you're not giving them options built on their needs, then you're not serving them. Um, if you're just going in a house and, and writing down, you need a new system, you're not serving that customer. Um, you know, I, I, I believe that our system that we, that we teach them ultimately is serving our customers. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you again, and we are excited to be back after Independence Day. Hope you had a great time there. We're so grateful to be a part of this nation, and we're also grateful to invite on a new guest this week. Mr. Kyle Fleck will be joining us. He is the regional director out of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning in Florida with Service Minds, and we're excited to talk to him today about uh, the many things that he's doing in terms of training his people and leading leaders. It's going to be a good conversation, but of course, as we always do, Brian and I are going to spend a little bit of time ourselves talking about the subject today. We're going to start off with Brian's quote. We are all in the people business. You must become an expert with people. Walter Bond. Oh, Mr. Walter Bond. Uh, we actually got the privilege of seeing him live in person. Yeah, we did. And he was, uh, he was selling copies of his book, Swim. The difference between a shark, a sucker fish, and a parasite. Uh, yes. The reason I brought it up is because Mr. Kyle Fleck and I were talking in my office about the fact that he has a book club with his branch managers, and they're going through that book right now. Okay, yeah. Good. Yeah, it was a good uh, a good speech from him. We got the privilege of hearing him, I guess it was last year, a uh, former basketball player. and uh, Former Detroit Piston. Uh, no big okay. deal. Nobody cares and had a lot, had a lot of good things to say. Uh, but Kyle is going to have some good things to say today. So we're looking forward to talking with him about uh, a wide variety of topics ranging from fear to goal setting, expectations, taking care of clients and serving in the home. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be a great show because we're, we're talking to someone who holds salespeople in the trades accountable. And man, I love when we have conversations about accountability and selling accountability and, and customer service accountability and whatever, you know, not only because it's my job, part of my job to hold people accountable, but I'm always looking for better ways to hold myself accountable, you know? Um, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe we do, maybe we don't, I don't know what, what, what listeners think and how listeners feel, but I, but I always feel like we don't talk enough about holding ourselves accountable, especially in selling roles um, and, and management and ownership and all the other roles that exist, you know, maybe install there, there are different things to hold yourself accountable to, but I, I do feel like this show is largely the promotion of selling in the trades and, you know, professional salesmanship. And if that's the case, we should always be talking about sales and accountability and selling. And I'm, and I'm, 
as having some conversation with Kyle in my office about how we do that, how I, I do that, how he does that. You know, it was occurring to me that throughout the industry right now, as I get hit up by people, mostly on Facebook messenger, um, who are struggling and some people here, but largely just people I'm talking to throughout the industry. You know, I was in Arizona last week and talking to some people out there and there's, there is this thing right now in the trades and probably in selling and, and everything. I don't know. You know, it's a, it is a little bit different economy right now than it was last year and certainly the year before and the year before that. But it's a, the purse strings are a little bit tighter right now. And it's not like it's like recession level tight or depression level tight. I mean, unsuccessful salespeople will tell you that's the case, but it's not the case. It's just what it was before 2020. It's just gone back to normal. And the challenge we're seeing with a lot of salespeople is a lot of people made twice as much money last year and the year before and didn't get twice as good at selling. They didn't role play twice as much. They didn't study twice as hard. They didn't work twice as hard on their presentation. They didn't turn the music off twice as much, listen to audiobooks and podcasts twice as much. They just made twice as much money because it got twice as easy to sell their products. And now what a lot of people are left with is their bills are higher. I mean, inflation has has actually happened. You know, everything costs more now. And their pay is going back down to what it was in 2019 because everyone thought they just got great all of a sudden. Now their closing rate is tanking, conversion rates going down. And it really is because, you know, a lot of people have just gotten comfortable and stayed put. Some people do do a thing that a lot of people do naturally. This is what you'll do naturally if you're not on guard, which is surround yourself with people who make you the best salesperson in the room. That's tough. You got to watch out for that. It's very easy to do. You, you have to put yourself in rooms with people who are better than you because your natural tendency is to try to get in rooms where you're the best at everything and you can just speak into everyone's lives and, and give great advice. And if you're in sales, man, it's the worst possible thing you can do because you, you, all, you can't just stay the same and make the same amount of money. If you stay the same, you're going to make less because everyone around you is getting better. The customer is getting more educated. The competition is getting more fierce, more educated, more sophisticated, and they're going to take that sale from you. They're going to take that money from you. So it's always your responsibility to get in front of and around people who are better at selling than you. I mean, always be paying it forward and finding someone to lift up, but that shouldn't be most of the people you talk to. Most of the people you talk to should be better than you and holding you accountable and telling you why your sale didn't go, not accepting your excuse for crying out loud. It's the worst when you get that person who just doesn't want to hear it, why my sale didn't go through. Listen to the people who are eager to tell you why it didn't go through. It's not negativity. It's constructive criticism. And if you can't find anyone who will tell you, if everyone just says, hey, yeah, yeah, it happened to the best of us, you'll get them next time. Find other people. That person's lazy or they don't know. So it's one or the other. You shouldn't, you should never get the answer that it could, just couldn't possibly have sold. You know, short of 
the for sale sign is hammered in the ground and there's a little sold tag hanging from it. And the person says, we're out this weekend. I just need this. That's it. Outside of that, you should have found a way to get it sold. I mean, in every other scenario, so many people in our industry have gotten it done under those exact circumstances. And I'm not saying you got to, you got to sell everyone, but you should always be thinking someone could have sold this. Never give yourself an out and, and at least get better in that one specific objection or area so that when you come across the one that could sell with the same objection, you sell it. Don't let your competitor get it. Why? They're going to get a new water heater. Like they're going to. Someone's going to get it. So let it be you. The only reason you should be walking away from a sale is if you think your install team is terrible, right? If you think they can get better service somewhere else, that's it. Outside of that, you should be trying to lock up everyone. And if you work for a company where you think you're the 14th best install team in the area, go work for another company or, or actively work with a manager on how we can figure this thing out and get it better, right? Outside of, outside of poor service at your company, you should be trying to get every job you come across. If you're in any capacity in sales and the company paid for you to have a vehicle, paid for that lead, they are expensive, paid for that client to click on their website and call through or whatever, your job is to sell it. Make no mistake. Your job is not to come back with some excuse of why the next company down the line is getting that job. Flat out, period. No more. <laughs> no more accepting uh, clients giving you a reason why they're going to use somebody else. There's no reason for that. You just, you just have to get better, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it. So, and you know, consider us your sales trainer if you need to. Consider us your coach until you go find one. If you're in, if you're working out and you have an instructor and that instructor goes on vacation for two weeks and comes back and you're, what I don't know, whatever, let's say your goal is to lose weight and you're the exact same weight or you're two pounds heavier and you give your coach the reason and the coach goes, Oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it was 4th of July weekend, so obviously you're going to eat some hot dogs and hamburgers and some and, – and is that who you want as a coach? Or do you want someone who's going to hold you accountable and say, knock that off? So maybe we're just, we're just standing in, filling in the gap for the, uh, the knock that off coach until you can find your, your um, real accountability partner or partners. But I just wanted to say, like, if you see your income – draining right now versus what it was in 2021 say or 2022 you just didn't get as good as your pay but you can still do it how do i know i know because all across the country there are electrical salespeople, plumbing salespeople, comfort advisors maintenance techs who sell iaq lead setters whose leads are selling all across the country, and certainly in this building, there are people whose income has gone up from last year to this year, from 2021 to 2023, has gone up significantly, who are already successful, running the same kind of calls, seeing the same kind of people as you. But their income hasn't dropped. It's gone up. Why? Because they got better throughout that time. So you have some people who, hey, I, I do nothing but listen to audiobooks and podcasts. Okay, how much time do you spend role-playing? 
how much time do you spend role-playing with people who are better than you? Ooh, that's the tough part, right? I'm cool to role-play as long as it's with people that are somewhat subservient in terms of their selling skills. But finding people who are better and make me feel uneasy and a little squirmy and, you know, uh, submissive, that sucks. It's painful. I get it. But the fact that there are so many people out there doing better year over year over year, and if your income has gone down a little bit, or, you know, what I'm usually talking to anymore is like managers with teams who have the exact same people in place and their numbers have gone down, down, down. While all these other companies' numbers have gone up, up, up in the same markets. Okay, your people made a little bit more money than their skills reflected. Now you just have to catch them up. And that's how it gets done. Accountability. Role-playing. Make sure that you're role-playing the right stuff. You've got to get around uh, people doing it right and find out. Maybe some sales trainers, maybe a, a best practice group. And make sure that you're role-playing the right stuff, but get on that role-play game. There's, I, there's just nothing like it. There's nothing that even comes close to getting your people role-playing. It's well said, Brian, and uh, this show is about making you better. It is about getting better, and we hope that we're doing that each and every week. And we do love hearing from you, which is bringing us to our review of the week at this time, Brian. Who are we highlighting today? On repeat, five stars. Ever since I was recommended to this podcast, I have been tuned in nonstop, before work, in between calls, during calls, and sometimes after work. We should have a conversation with my man about uh, how he's doing it during calls. <laughs> Probably installing his own work. All right, I get it. I get it. I love it. My production has increased immensely. All of my colleagues have been informed to tune in. Thanks, Dub D. Rallo Jenkins Smith. All right. Appreciate that. And yeah, apologize buddy. that you have to listen to Brian over and over and over again. Have to. Get to, my man. <laughs> Didn't you learn anything from uh, J.P. Donnell yes, last week? right, yeah. First world problems, buddy, here in my nasally drone. <laughs> we appreciate that, Rollo Jenkins-Smith, and everyone who leaves us a review. Uh, hey, if nothing else, we like to read it ourselves and see that we're making an impact and that we should keep the show going for one more week. Right, buddy? <laughs> absolutely we one more drag ourselves into this room and uh stare at each other for an hour hour and a half and uh it it uh makes a big it makes a big difference for us because it's you know other than reading some text messages from from time to time this is how we get to see that it's actually making an impact so appreciate you appreciate you everyone who leaves a review if you would like to help us out leave us a review scroll down on apple podcast to reviews press leave a review you can either just click the five stars and it'll just do that or you can write us a nice message and at some point sometime we will read it on this show uh if you're on spotify just click the five stars whatever you're on audible pandora what is this youtube facebook there's a whole bunch of them just figure <laughs> it out man come on find a way to leave us a review absolutely and we do appreciate that and we know that you're going to appreciate kyle fleck as we put him in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Kyle Fleck. He is the regional director at Service Mines based out of Dade City, Florida. 
He is the husband to a beautiful wife, a father to four amazing children, and has been in the HVAC industry for over a decade, where he has held many positions, including dispatcher, marketing director, office manager, service manager, sales manager, and now regional director. He is based out of Florida, where they are competing in multiple markets across multiple states, and he has developed an amazing relationship with his peers and technicians. He now leads leaders and his branch managers, and we're excited to invite him on the show today to talk about all the things that he's doing in Florida and the things that he's training and the things that he's passionate about. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you letting me here while I'm on vacation. Live in the studio <laughs> on vacation, no less. Comes to spend it here. The highlight of his vacation. He just texted me. Obviously. I don't know if you saw him using his phone. Yes. He texted me the highlight of his vacation. But don't tell his wife that. <laughs> or his family that he's here to visit. Yeah, he should have brought them along. We could have had a studio audience for once. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that would have been, oh, that's a good idea, Minnick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they would love it, right? <laughs> Not just any HVAC company. Service Minds, baby. Uh, yes, Service Minds. Yeah, that is a the largest one hour Ben Franklin, Mr. Sparky in the franchise, which is what states are you guys in? We are in Florida, uh, Georgia, Alabama, um, and, you know, looking to get into Tennessee, South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's quite an expansive uh, region for sure. And part of your title is regional manager. Director. Regional director. I'm so sorry. Assistant <laughs> to the regional manager, of course. Uh, regional director. And uh, before we jump into where you are currently, Kyle, let's take a step back. How did you get into the trades? What was your starting point? And then what did the trajectory look like to get to regional sales director? Regional or, director. No director. sales. Just, I'll get it right by the end of the show. It's fine. Just a title. <laughs> just a title. Um, yeah. So I, I went to college uh, at Albright College in Reading for uh, business management, uh, played baseball there. And um, I got out of college. And I uh, was working at a finance company for a couple of years. Um, I wouldn't say that I had a passion for what I went to college for. It was more of that's what everyone was doing. They were going into business. So uh, I got, came out, was in the, in the finance industry. And um, my, one of my friends that I played ball with in college, he called me and said, hey, do you want to be a dispatcher for a plumbing and heating company in Reading? And I'm thinking, man, I'm $80,000 in debt with the student loans and, and you're asking me if I want to go dispatch for a plumbing and HVAC company. And I'm, I talked to my wife. We were newlyweds at the time. Um, we were married for less than a year and she was pregnant with our firstborn. And I'm like, you know, should I do this? They were offering more money than I was currently making. And, and she said, just, let's just do it, whatever, just do it. So I, I went on board and became a, a dispatcher. And I was with that company for nine and a half years and worked my way up all the way through the ranks and was a service manager for the HVAC division for the last four years I was there. Um, and then uh, after nine and a half years there, my wife and I just felt like it was time to make a move. And this is where I kind of, I got out of my comfort zone. And, you know, this is the fear that I overcame. I had a, I had a great job, comfortable job, a nice house. I have four kids. Um, and I just, I decided to take that leap of faith. And I, I put my two weeks in, sold my house and lived with my mother and father-in-law in a small Cape Cod in Pottstown for about four months until we found a house and a job down in Florida. And that was with uh, one hour of Tampa. And I got a job as a, a sales manager uh, for, for down there. Uh, Mario Martinez interviewed me and hired me there. He's now the 
DVP of Ben Franklin. We don't talk about Mario on this show. Uh, okay. <laughs> we've been asking Mario to do an episode for like a year and a half now, and he <laughs> scheduled like four and canceled them. So. I'll get him down here, or up here, I should say, up here. Um, yeah, and then, and then and a Service Mines, uh, uh, you know, bought the Tampa location, and um, within the last year, I moved from sales manager to uh, the regional director. Uh, I now look over uh, eight branches, and I absolutely love my team. They're, they're awesome. Wow, that's incredible. And the eight branches are all, all currently located in Florida. Correct. I, I look over Orlando. My branch manager is Matt, Matt Coscos. And then I have uh, Daytona, ran by James Smith. Melbourne, Dennis Creamer is a huge fan of the show. Um, I have Albert down in Miami. Rob in Bradenton. Michael in uh, Tampa. Michael Traconis in Clearwater. And Tony Green in Lakeland. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what a trajectory you've been on. And have you been in the field yourself or has your existence in the trades always been kind of behind the scenes? It's been behind the scenes. Um, and, and that was tough for me in the beginning uh, to try to earn the respect um, and trust of, of guys in the field. I mean, I'm this kid coming out of college. I mean, who, what do I know, right? And that's, that, that's, that was an uphill battle. I'm sure it was. And we'll definitely like to get into that as we cover some more ground today. Um, one thing that you mentioned there uh, <clears throat> in, in your trajectory was a decision to make a change. So you made a choice. You decided like there was two choices, actually. One where you decided to totally shift gears and change career. And then the other one where you totally decided to change location. Those are both substantial changes in any person's life, um, regardless of what industry or background you come from. And yet, how have you seen those changes impact like where you are now in your confidence and your decision making and everything along the way? Because surely, you know, those changes came with its own set of trepidations and fears and everything else. But how have those changes molded you into the Kyle that we see today? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good question. Um, the first change in terms of careers, it wasn't as difficult as this last change was to move locations. Um, at that point, like I said, I was newly married um, and a baby on the way. So I didn't have six people depending on me at the moment. Um, and I was still younger. Um, and at that point, I felt like I didn't have much to lose. Um, but it still was taking me out of my comfort zone, getting out of the, the business uh, side of it. But this location, moving locations was was scary for me in the fact that um, I have a large family depending on me um, and I'm leaving something very comfortable that has provided for me and my family for, for nine years. Um, but doing that, it has allowed me to not just grow professionally, but I've met so many amazing people uh, since moving down to Florida that have helped me grow professionally and as a person as well. Um, and again, it has helped me understand that um, if you don't take chances, you could be missing out on huge opportunities that can take you wherever you want to go. Absolutely. And, and the, that's a, a great reminder for our listeners that the opportunities are abundant, right? And it's, it's what we choose to do with them that makes a difference. And you've certainly made those choices in your own life. And those are some of the things we want to cover today as we step into it. But before we do that, I want to focus a little bit about your current responsibilities to help our listeners understand like what your day-to-day -day interactions are and how that, uh, frankly, from a tech perspective, makes a difference. 
Sure, sure. Um, well, in my sales manager role, I was working directly with the technicians um, out in the field, um, helping close calls. Uh, now I am in a position where I get to lead leaders, uh, which is a real passion of mine. Um, and what I like to do is I like to be able to give the leaders the tools in order to help their technicians grow. Um, so I kind of do it in a different way now. Um, but um, I mean, that's, you know, that's my passion is leading leaders. And um, your average day to day, I'm sure is, is in leading these leaders, you're, you're discussing KPIs and you're going over things that are, are going right and going wrong uh, in the marketplace uh, or in their branches or in their employee base, whatever it may be. There's a lot of things that can go wrong and helping people to overcome adversity is a big part of leadership. We need to help and train them to focus on what we can do, what we can affect, what we can't affect, and then how to overcome it. In the field, a lot of our listeners are dealing with adversity on the ground. Like they're literally staring at a problem right now. You know, they have something going wrong in a house. They have a client who's upset at them. They have, uh, you know, they're frustrated about the warehouse that couldn't get their part. Those are real problems that are affecting their actual day-to-day. How do you coach your leaders to coach the ground team, the boots on the ground people, to work their way through those problems and, and to create success throughout the day? Because so much can go wrong, and we want all of, all of our men and women in the trades and the trucks right now to get to the end of the day and feel like that was a win. How do you help the team from your spot get there? Yeah, I, we've really been putting a focus on role-playing um, in one-on-one scene or in front of the, uh, the team in, in, a, in a weekly meeting. Um, I think the biggest thing that I, I tell my guys is focus on first what they're strong at and build them up on that and then take kind of like a bite of the elephant little by little at the things that they need to work on and build them up individually, one-on-ones, um, and uh, just help them develop one thing at a time until they feel like they're comfortable um, in many of the aspects of their job. Um, so one-on-ones, um, we also do a lot of um, team activities within uh, the meetings. Right now I have um, a book club going on. I have all my branch managers reading the book Swim. Um, and what that's about is uh, an AC uh, technician. Well, he owns a company now, but he was mentored by um, the previous owner of the company and, and he ended up marrying his daughter, but uh, it's called Swim and it, it talks about the characteristics of a shark um, and how um, they reflect leadership. And, uh, and right now we're on chapter four, um, but one of them, you know, some of the characteristics are uh, they always look up, they never swim backwards, uh, they never stop moving, um, and they, uh, th- you know, they're aware of their surroundings and they respect other sharks. So, um, right now, I'm calling my branch manager sharks, and, and uh, that's just another way that I'm helping develop them because uh, it's important that, that we read or do something outside of work to help us grow as a leader and individually. You've heard the, uh, the saying, leaders are readers, and that's certainly a really cool thing. We've done some book studies here as well, um, and, and perhaps that's a great book for some of the people in the field to be reading also because there's a lot of crossover. Whether you're a leader in position or not, we do believe that leaders are are all around us. In fact, a lot of the guests that we have on are authors uh, and people who have put their content out there for people to consume and to read to get better. 
Um, and the, the concept of the shark and the sucker fish and the things that go along with that have a lot of crossover application, whether you have a positional leadership, meaning you have a title, so to speak, or whether you're on the ground and in the client's home right now, because it doesn't really matter. In fact, we gave a training or we were doing some role playing here at our office the other day and concentrating on the focus of when you walk into the home, you are the owner to the client. Like that is your representation. And if you carry yourself like that, that confidence, not arrogance, that confidence and that swagger, if you will, um, brings just a, a different level of feel to the call because now the client is appreciating you. You can actually make a difference for them. You care more about just, you care more about the entire experience than just what's going on right now. You know, how was your call with the CSR and, and how was the dispatch when he called you and let you know that you, I was coming out to your home. I just want to make sure that's all okay for you and everything. And so this is a, this is a great application to leadership and how we apply that in our everyday life. And I'm sure that's something that you've found and that obviously you're continuing to train. And some of the other things that you're training on with that, you know, I want to ask you, Kyle, is like, what is your general philosophy about how we go to service in the trades? Like if we could boil down all of Kyle's ideas about best practices and all the things that you've read and all the things that you've heard and business coached in and say, all right, I'm an HVAC tech. I'm a, I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. Kyle, tell me, what do I need to do to win? Yeah. Um, and it, it boils down to trust. Building trust has been the main focus, uh, that I believe, uh, will take you to where you want to be. Um, I was in a, a company and we, we um, were part of a, a better business practice next to our group. Um, but um, they had uh, the three building blocks of trust and, and it was empathy, expertise, and expectations. Um, empathy is, is just putting yourself in their shoes, showing that you care. Um, and, and everything we teach on, making sure we ask if we're parked okay, um, knocking on the door frame, uh, asking to come in, putting floor savers on, showing that you care. That's how you show empathy. Um, expertise is asking good questions, open-ended questions, uh, which is, you know, a question that, that requires more than a yes or no answer. So you're gathering information um, and you're able to build the options according to the information they're giving you. Um, and they're going to tell that you know what you're talking about by the questions you ask them. And then expectations is just letting them know, hey, what can, what can you expect today? You know, um, what will I be doing? What rooms will I be entering in your home? Uh, you know, can I, can I ask you questions while you're looking at my system? Um, when will you be done? Um, how many options will you give me? Like just having, setting those expectations also goes a long way. So empathy, expertise, and expectations is the three building blocks of trust. And, and that's what I put a focus on. If you, you can be successful, if you can build trust, because you can know everything about your trade, but if you don't have that connection with that customer, it doesn't matter. Um, and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to go with the solutions you're offering them. Um, so I would say that's m my biggest philosophy is just building trust. And I, and I, and I like I said, I, I do that with my, my, uh, my branch managers that I lead to. Now, over the years, I'm sure you've had some more direct connection with the technicians on the front line. Uh, have you had, do you have any success stories of where, you know, somebody perhaps wasn't using one of those E's um, as well or, or at all, and you helped transition them or, or help them understand the importance? And then, you know, they came out on the other side saying, wow, that made the difference. Yeah, there was a, I'm not going to use any names or companies, but in my, the company that I worked for, for nine years, uh, he was, he was 21 or 22 years old uh, at the time. And he was just a maintenance tech, um, very 
one of them, one of them guys that like he read books on the side and did everything outside of work to try and grow personally. And, but he just couldn't get over that, that up to that next level. And, um, I, I had him start using, it was called an agenda card and it had, it, it, it basically, um, had the expectations for the customer. Um, let them know what you were there for, what you'll be doing, how you'll be giving options, upfront pricing, asking for the review and all that. Um, and uh, we made these cards. I laminated it and handed it to him. And he started using that in front of his customers, almost like, like I would use for my kids, like a little chart. And, and just it started clicking and clicking. And, and within a year, he was a $2 million selling technician um, just by using a, a laminated piece of paper to set the agenda and help build that trust. And he just took off from there. I love that concept. I think that's that's a, a really cool and almost obvious idea, but it's it's an accountability piece where you're presenting it to the client like, you know, here, Kyle, hold me accountable to this. This is what I'm supposed to be doing on your call today. If we don't check any of these boxes, you let me know and I'll, I'll apologize and we'll get back to it. I, I like that from a simple hold me accountable, but also keeping the client informed about how the call is supposed to go, which we've talked about many times. Nate likes it because he would not need it and it would go, <laughs> it would go even better than the sheet. I would dislike it because the client would go, yeah, you skipped four of these six things <laughs> every single time. And it would be a different four every time. Somehow. But see, you could even play a mind game on that, Brian. You could be like, all right, you know, here's my four step process. And then you do eight steps and they're like, wow, I, I didn't, what's yeah. going on? Here? Went above like, and beyond for None me. of them were on the list, but I did eight. <laughs> <laughs> but on the but on the opposite side of that, I also had technicians who weren't hitting goals, and I asked them, "Well, are you using the the sheet I gave you?" Well, no. Well, why not? Because it's stupid, uncomfortable. That would be an actual answer. Yeah, well, I would never say that to a manager. <laughs> I mean, I said it all the time, but never to a manager. I give a lot of grace. I give a yeah. lot of grace. <laughs> um, yeah, we were talking about that earlier in my office, which was which is the difference between having a process and not having a process. I wish we could come up with a different word because everybody's been so verbally beat to death with quote unquote process, yep. but it's so, it's so true. It's a real thing. It's like people who go to the gym and just do whatever they feel like doing. You know, it's funny. I left, I left the gym that I'm currently at the Lampeter YMCA and I went to gold's gym and Gold's gym closed and then became another gym. And I went to that gym for a little while. And eventually just now my wife's going to the gym with me in the morning. So I'm back at the Lamp Eater YMCA. The whole maybe three years, two or three years that I was gone, I'm back at the same time in the morning, 5 a.m. And there are these, there are a handful of people who are there who were there when I left. And I don't hang around and talk too much. I'm, I'm always pretty pleasant unless I want to recruit you. Then I'm very chatty. <laughs> Um, but there are these people there and it's funny cause like, you know, there are these two dudes that were there that have, that look like they just became different people. Like one of them is way more fit, you know, and he's like, uh, toned and lost a lot of fat. And one of these dudes look like he's gained two inches of muscle everywhere on his body and, and he's lifting way more weight than he was before. But then there are these there's this other guy and a woman who were both there who look exactly the same, like have not changed the slightest bit. And it's funny to see them in there now for me. And I, what I see is they, those two in particular, they come in, they kind of look around and you can see it on their face that they're figuring out what they're going to do today. And it's just like, whatever's available. 
and whatever I feel like, and they don't have any kind of process or plan. And it's like, you know, Monday's this day, Wednesday's this day, whatever, like some kind of program or, or process. And the major difference is if you look at the two guys who changed dramatically, one of them was, must've just been going for losing fat and gaining a little muscle. And one of them was clearly, I mean, he was pretty fit before. He was just trying to get stronger and bigger. And, you know, I commend both of them because they're just going after something. But they have notepads. One one has his tablet and one has like a, a binder that he opens up and they write down their numbers and stuff. And it, it's just a clear, I mean, I commend all four of them. Like you're getting up at 4.30 yeah. <laughs> to show up at the gym. Like that's a, that's a big step just getting in there. life. Yeah. But it's so obvious who's got their process because they're, they're developing and who's just kind of winging it time in and time out. And, you know, it's better than not going. And there are plenty of people who get in and try to do what we do, which is not just learning the trade, but also learning to, to be a better communicator and asking questions that are most likely going to end in rejection, mm-hmm. which is why most people don't sell. I mean, they like to make up all these grand excuses, how they're good people. So they don't sell, but they're just scared mm-hmm. is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and hate rejection like we all do. So showing up and trying is great, but man, if you have a process in place, your, your friends and family and yourself will watch you develop into something great or at least greater than what you are now. Because when you have a pretty specific process and I don't mean to canned, this is every word I say, most people can't do that. Um, but a process where here are the things that I do on every call when you go south and you hit that inevitable dry spell, you know, you're going to, you're going to get into a space where you don't sell anything for a few weeks, days, months, whatever. Um, you can go back to your process and say, what did I change? Like, where did I go sideways? I'm clearly not doing something right. So it's, crucial to have that whether you show it to the client or not is yeah. <laughs> i'll leave that up to you but but having some step-by-step like play-by-play this is the these are the the big things that i have to hit you know when i give morning meetings nate knows nate gives a nearly like they're nearly scripted right your trainings it depends what you mean by scripted <laughs> i mean they have a significant amount of notes and outlines yeah yes. like he's going back to this notepad like over and over again and i'm like whoa I have like three words. I'll just write one, two, and three or A, B, and C on the board. I'm with Nate. I have a whole outline every meeting. Yeah, I have yeah. I have an outline, but it's like, here are the th- big three things I need to talk about. And I'll have to look back at the board and go, oh, yeah, I got to talk about number two now. <laughs> and I just fill it all in with content out of my brain, but I can't, I, you know, I can't do like a scripted thing, but I will have this this three-part outline of things that I have to, you know, points that I have to touch on. And then I'll fill, I'll figure out the rest because I'm much better off the cuff than, t- than having a script. I yeah. get, I get nervy and uh, kind of like, I'm not there. <laughs> Just can't do it. But <laughs> Nate put him out there with nothing to talk about and he's going to struggle. But if, you know, what, what was that meeting last meeting you gave? Was that gratitude? Uh, Yes. I mean, gratitude. the last one you saw. Yeah. 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 Nate's doing our core values training right now, going through our four core values one week at a time. And he did gratitude the last time. And it's like, by the way, that's awesome. You have those core value posters all over the place. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah, Even awesome. right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the third, the third core value is gratitude. And he's, he did his gratitude and it was like, he would 
and he, he crushes these meetings. He's just amazing at them. But he would come back to his notepad, and it was almost like he plugged into the wall and his battery recharged. <laughs> and he came with a whole new set of things to talk about. And this was, what, less than an hour meeting, right? Yes. Yeah. So it, it was uh, – but, but it gives you the two versions of it. Not A lot of trainers will train that you have to be scripted. A lot of trainers will train that you have to not be scripted. I think there are people who, who need to do it one way or the other. Yeah. You can't you can't format that for everybody. I mean, I, I've come a long way with with running meetings. I was terrible at it uh, in Pennsylvania, and um, you mean today and today, yeah, right. <laughs> Nervous as heck today. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, I, I went to some train the trainer classes um, about five six years ago, and who was leading them? Curry. It, it was through Next Star. Oh, Next Star. Yeah, not okay. to give them another plug, but um, but I I learned oh, so right, much. We, we know some great people in Next Star, <laughs> but. Uh, what I learned was I, I tried so hard to, when I, if I had a 45 minute or an hour meeting, I tried so hard to fill that up with just me talking. And I realized that it's all about my audience interacting, letting them get involved. And you're really only doing 10% of the talking. And, uh, and so I just switched gears and, and I just learned how to take control of the meeting before I would have this great topic in my mind that I wanted to go over today. And then I would let a tech or two with a couple of negative comments start running the meeting. And before I knew it, I, I, I lost that hour that I planned with my guys and I lost it. Mm. And, yeah. and that's a shame when, when, when you only have so much time with your people and you don't use it the way you want it to. That's like the worst feeling in the world. See, that's, a, that's the difference between coming out of a truck and not. Like I know, and, and especially in a newer group that I don't know that well, if I let the tech start talking, <laughs> this meeting's going to go negative. Why? Because if you let me start talking back in the day before I was, you know, kind of developed into a more positive, uh, gratitude-driven person, I was going to take the meeting negative. Like, you don't, as, as the trainer, you got you to gotta, you gotta keep it on the page. You want it on for yeah. sure. Yeah. I use this technique I learned called the parking lot. I, I put a, a pad of paper up on the wall and write parking lot, and I make spaces, and I have sticky notes. And whenever someone has something that's off topic or maybe it's a complaint or an idea or a question, they write it on that. We write it on the sticky note. We put it in the parking lot. And at the end of the meeting on the side, we will talk about anything that's in the parking lot. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> I always have control of the meeting. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Traction in, in EOS, they do the, 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 like they might have like little stuffed animals and one of them is a squirrel. Yes. <laughs> so your, your EOS implementer and your meetings can can toss a squirrel in the middle of the room and it means you've gone off track, you know, squirrel. So I, I was thinking about bouncing them off the heads. Of, <laughs> but maybe we'll do the parking lot thing. It's less but aggressive. I, I like to, I, would, I just want to go back to your gym analogy because I, I like working out. Uh, you know, I see you lifting them heavy weights on, on Facebook there. Um, but for instance, there's been times in the gym where I will plateau um, and I won't have a plan. But in those moments, I look for someone to give me ideas or a different plan. And, and that's where us, the leaders need to be for our, our guys in the field is when they feel like they're plateauing, we need to be their, their, uh, you know, their gym workout buddy or whatever yeah. and, and help them, you know, what are you struggling with? All right, well, this is where you're struggling. These are the tools to get you to the next level. Um, otherwise we're going to waste five years at a gym and not change. Right. Yeah. You're away from that gym for X amount of years and they still look the same. So, yeah. And, and maybe that's what they want. And I don't, I don't know, but I, I know for me and for most people, if you go to the gym, you're going for change. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that might not be why most te technicians are coming to morning meetings and coming to have a one-on-one. -on -one, um, cause they like, we like human nature can get comfortable and 
and will protect that comfort zone. But it does, it, it's, you know, the onus is on us as sales trainers, managers, leaders to, to go, are you making what you want to make? Are you currently satisfied in, in the uh, income you're making? And men, sometimes if the answer is yes, how does your wife feel about that? Mm-hmm. Would she like you to make more? If you told her you could put in an extra half an hour a week in training or role playing or spending time with me, um, you could make 20% more this year. Would your wife want you to burn that half hour? Because a lot of times the answer you're going to get is like, oh, yeah, man, I want to make more, but I don't have time with all the family commitments. And you go, well, let's, let's have a conversation with the, with the family yeah. and see if an extra half hour a week would, would uh, be worth it for them to make 20% more. Because it it's crazy how such a little bit of training and, and accountability and role play can make a profound impact on what a person brings home mm-hmm. week to month to year in personal income and then just develops as a develop as a communicator and become just a, a better more effective person all around yeah but nobody wants to just spend that extra half hour to an hour a week you know and it starts with the leaders having those tough conversations um you know my my dvp eddie wells who's awesome he's he's really shown me how to he pushing me to be a little uncomfortable. And that's what I'm trying to do with my, my branch managers is get them out of their comfort zone, have those conversations with the technicians and find that information out. Because if we don't, just like our customers, if we don't ask questions, we're not going to get any information. And we need to get information from our, our guys in the field if we're going to make, you know, the right decisions in order to help them grow. So Yeah, shout out to Eddie. Great dude. He was here yeah. before. Spent, yeah, spent a man. few hours with it. We didn't get him on the show. I don't know what happened that day, but that was a that was a mistake on our part, I feel like. <laughs> he, he would be 10 times better than me, man. He's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, I, I like what you were saying there as well. And the purpose of any plan is to achieve a desired outcome, right? The whole point of having a plan is that you know where you're going or where you're trying to get, whether that's called an agenda or instructions or directions or step-by-step process. That's what you're looking to get to. And Kyle, as, as you work with your, your branch managers and they work with the technicians, what is your philosophy in setting the outcome? Like goals. How, how do you go about setting goals for your team that are within their reach, but also stretching them into that place of a little less comfort, uh, you know, outside of their zone of, of uh, ease, so to speak? What is your kind of uh, perspective on how to best accomplish proper goal setting so that they can achieve what the plan was designed for. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the, one of the biggest things is um, controlling the controllables um, and not, not making excuses, but all right, there's going to be problems. There's going to be obstacles and there's going to be excuses on why we're not hitting goals. Um, But how do we overcome them? How do we take that away and control what we can control um, in order to hit those goals? Um, so that's, that's one of the focuses on is, you know, let's focus on how we get there, not what happens if we don't get there. Um, and in terms of goals, each of my branch managers, uh, I made it a, a point to, to know what their professional goal was for the next year, three years and five years, and also their personal goals. Um, and the why is always important. So when they're having a day where they're struggling, um, not hitting a goal or just, just feel lost, I want to bring that up and say, hey, you know, Mike, remember, you want to get that boat in two years. Um, you can get that, but this is how we're going to get there. And then it kind of refocuses them on why they're doing what they're doing. Um, 
and just to get them back in the swing of things and, and give them that little push. Um, but I think, I think the, the biggest thing is just, it can, it can be overwhelming. You have all these, these closing rates and average sales and sales goals. And um, I, I like to uh, give them a win the day number, breaks it down day by day. Because yes, you're, you're not going to win every single day. Um, but if you focus on winning one day at a time, you may lose one, win one, and then focus on winning the week. Um, so it's like a puzzle. Um, and each period, if you have a period goal, we, do, we go uh, four-week, four-week, five-week periods. That's how we set our goals up. Um, if, you, if you can win, win a week, then you can win your month. You win, you win four of the five days, you can win your month. Um, so I, I like to focus on the win-the-day number. So Kyle, as, as you've done this, assumedly for technicians and, and field managers and people like that over the years, what have you found to be the difference between people who win, who consistently and successfully hit those goals time and time again, and people who don't, whether it's for any number of reasons, excuses, laziness, um, improper goal setting? What, what have you seen to be the, the variables? It, it comes down to just uh, an openness and willing to, willing to want to change and learn. Um, if, if you're not, and that, that, that starts with me too. I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't, uh, willingly want to make a change in location or, uh, you know, I, I can be stubborn in my ways of, of thinking and doing things, but, um, if I open my mind up and, and try new things, I realize that, Hey, I can do things greater than what I thought I could. Um, so it, it just comes down to the willingness to want to change is, is basic, uh, when it comes to that. Change is one of those words that even the very word itself brings up a certain amount of emotions, uh, one of them being fear, right? Uh, there's, there's always the fear of the unknown, the fear of the what if, the fear of the what happens when. And off air, you had mentioned that you have dealt with your own fears in your life. So perhaps bring in some of those stories in terms of how you had to overcome your own fears in setting goals, achieving those things and making a difference in who you were. Yeah, I mean... Goodness, I'm back. Back in college, I hated standing up and giving a report to to anyone. And now, now I'm you know talking in front of technicians every single day. I'm dozens and dozens of podcast <laughs> listeners as well. <laughs> yes, thank you for reminding me. As I'm saying, many my, dozens. My Let's heart's just say dozens. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just dozens. Yeah. So, um, well, he's going to force all of his team branch managers to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, so that'll probably double our record, <laughs> triple our, our record day. <laughs> but oh my goodness, I mean, in terms of a fear of talking in front of people, I've I've grown so much in there. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I had some insecurities, never thinking I was good enough. I was just talking to, um, to you about that earlier. Uh, what's that called? Where you're, you feel like you're not good enough? Imposter the syndrome. Imposter, imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Imposter syndrome. Um, and then as I, as, I, as I had family, I had fears of not providing for them. Um, you know, I am a Christian. I have, you know, I have, I put a lot of faith in God as well. And um, and he's the ultimate provider. Um, so, you know, that's, that's another area where um, I really lean on. But um, what I've learned is as long as I have an, uh, a heart to serve, um, just things just come naturally. It's like a byproduct of, of just being uh, serving and loving others. Um, and that's what I put a focus on. And it's gotten me through so much uh, where I didn't think I was capable of doing. But what does that practically mean? I mean, a heart to serve sounds great. You know, we'll, we'll put that on some t-shirts and, and wear them around the office and stuff like that. Maybe get a tattoo. Brian needs some new ink here shortly. <laughs> I don't have any ink, but yeah, but some new ink would be. <laughs> and, and let's do like the heart, not not spell it out, but yes, like make a the emoji heart. Yes, yeah. the heart to serve. 
I mean, it, it and sounds the number two, <laughs> number two, sir. Right. Sorry, go on. You know, it sounds it sounds cliche to some degree. Yeah, but you're saying that actually made the difference. So, what does that practically mean? I mean, I wake up and I just. I, how can I help someone be 1% better today? Whether that's one, in, in fact, that the book we're reading, uh, Swim, it talks about if you're, if you're in a room of, of 10 people and maybe nine of them don't listen to a word you say or don't succeed that day, but that one does, then you won that day. That's a success. Um, and that's what my focus is on is, is if I can make someone 1% better today, then I feel like I did my job um, that day. Um, I, don't know, I know it sounds simple and, and cliche, but uh, it's just it's 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 down to that that simpleness for me. But it's simple and it's cliche because it works. Yeah. So when when you like would, I don't know if you stated that obviously, or if you just like worked it out in practicality with technicians. What would that look like to them? Like if you're speaking to a plumber right now in the field or HVAC tech right in the field, and you're saying, "Listen, man, you got to you got to serve." What would you tell them that looks like? Um. I mean, our, our, the way our system that we teach is serving our customers. We're, we're showing empathy by, I, I said this earlier, asking, you know, if we're parked okay, may I come in? Um, if, if you're not giving them options built on their needs, then you're not serving them. Um, if you're just going in a house and, and writing down, you need a new system, you're not serving that customer. Um, you know, I, I, I believe that our system that we, that we teach them ultimately is serving our customers. What happens when you get some pushback on that, Kyle, when people, um, for any number of reasons, whether it could be ignorance, like they're just young in the trade and they haven't really experienced it, or it could be callousness and they're just like, you know what, man, I've been doing it this year, this for so long, and I'm not going to change now. What happens when you run across some of those people who aren't quite ready to jump aboard the service train and understand things as you're putting them out there? How do you get them to understand and to believe in what you're saying. I mean, I, I believe in the ride along. I did this uh, when I was up in PA here. Uh, if I had an underperformer, I would stick him with someone who is, is, you know, hitting the ball out of the ballpark because um, I can tell them all I want about it's going to work, it's going to work, but until they actually see it uh, happen, then something clicks. Uh, so my go-to was always to have them ride along with, with our superstar um, and, and let them see it in live action. And, and I assume you've seen some success in doing that over the years where you've, you've paired up some people. Um, has there ever been like a great success story from that? Yeah. Like, uh, the one I talked about, uh, the, the $2 million salesman after he started using the, uh, the agenda card, um, he would be my, uh, senior tech every, anytime I would hire uh, a new maintenance tech, the first three weeks he was riding with, with that technician. Um, and, Within two to three years, we had three selling techs, all who trained under him, get to one and a half to two million dollars. So um, it's just finding what works, that person, and and replicating it and using them, using my resources I had to help train them. We do have this um, implemented um, down service minds. It's called the manager call. Uh, you're not allowed to leave a call unclosed, um, and pretty much. The technician, he presents his, the options. Um, customer says, mm, I'm thinking about it or I'm not ready to go with it. Technician is to ask, you know, we went over, you know, we went over all these options. You know, I felt like we, we went over, asked, answered all your questions. You know, what, what can I do to earn your business today? Straight up ask the customer. Um, and the customer will give the reason. 
Um, we'll just say it's price at this point. You know, I thought it was going to be, you know, $300 cheaper or whatever. All right, well, Ms. Jones, listen, we want to take care of you today. Let me call my manager, Kyle. Um, let me get on phone and see what we can do for you today. So he'll call. Hey, Kyle, I'm here with Ms. Jones. And I want, and I asked them to go through every single in detail, everything they did, because I want them to rebuild the value in front of the customer to remind them, hey, this is everything that I did today on your, on the visit. Is, is this like a speaker call? This is on the phone with the customer. Yeah. So yeah, three way yeah, yeah, speaker phone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they're going through everything. And then, and at that point, I want the, 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 the pressure, not the pressure, but the way to go back on the, the manager and the manager has his own script. Um, but I want the, the technician to, to get on the side of the customer because, you know, as, as, as you know, for marketing, you spend X amount of dollars to acquire a new customer. Um, even if we only made a dollar on that call, at least we, we don't want to lose that customer for the rest of our life or possibly, you know, they're going to tell other friends and family, hey, I, I paid 89 bucks for this company to come out or whatever, and they didn't, they didn't take care of me. You know, we want to at least take care of their needs and, you know, do all we can before we leave. That's just one of the, the, uh, the tools that we, we, we train our guys to do is do the manager call um, if there's someone that is struggling to close because the last thing we want is them to just walk out without even us trying because sometimes they will learn things from the manager during that, that conversation that, oh, man, I, you know, I forgot to tell them about the financing or, or you know, I didn't, I didn't think about this or that. Um, so it's just a way, that's just one coaching way, um, tool we use. I enjoy that concept, and I think there's a lot of uh, fantastic accountability that comes from that. I'm sure you and training and training, and I'm sure you've had some guys who roll their eyes, uh, so to speak, when they have to make that phone call, or perhaps they try to get out of making that phone call. How do you build the value back to them to help them understand? Listen, man, this isn't me trying to breathe down your neck. This is me trying to help you succeed. Because there's a fine line in between there, right? Yeah, and this is definitely, it, 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 it's a tough one to hold guys accountable to. Um, but it's all in the numbers. And um, there was a, a technician out of my Bradenton office. He was a service tech. Um, he moved into a selling tech role. And I convinced him to get in the comfort advisor role. But he was scared of being full commission and, and all that. And um, I had him call me on every single call. And uh, he saw his, his income, like, triple um, and that was the, the proof in the pudding. And he saw that. Uh, he called me no matter what on every single call. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, you're just a good luck charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to yeah, call yeah. Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Kyle. And I'm sure you've had great success in other areas of that as well. Uh, some of our listeners probably don't have near the hierarchy or, or administrative setup, uh, you know, as you guys do in Service Minds, you're a large company with a lot of people and you have people upon people that they can call and have resources with. If I'm a tech in the field right now and our company is smaller or we just don't have that type of system set up right now, what would you advise me to do to either help me stay on the agenda or to help me get more business, frankly? Um, you yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, you have they have a direct manager uh, I would just encourage any technician out there that if you feel like you're uncomfortable doing something or you need guidance, it's hard for us as humans. We're prideful to ask for help, but just do it. I, I, I've learned to ask for help all the time because there's a lot that I don't know. Um, and there's a lot that Eddie knows. And there's a lot that even my other branch managers know that I'll go to them. Um, I, it just comes down to like, don't be afraid to ask for help and guidance uh, and ask for accountability. I think a lot of these 
technicians want to be held accountable and, and leaders sometimes feel like they don't want the accountability, but that's what they're screaming sometimes, whether you know it or not. Yeah, whether it's accountability or just help. Yeah. Crying out loud. Like, who doesn't need help and what they do day to day? I mean, maybe you don't think you do, but you could be so much more effective if, you know, like Tommy's Tommy Mellows never never stops screaming that he's the dumbest guy in every room he's in at his own company. It's like, <laughs> surround yourself with smarter people or just ask someone smarter. Ask someone not that you don't consider smarter and just get a different perspective on something. Yeah, so, well, like Ryan, our our uh, one-hour um, HVAC um, operations manager this morning is talking about how to delegate a certain task that needs to be delegated. And he was trying to figure out how to best do it himself. And I said, well, have a meeting with your technical supervisors, service manager and technical supervisors, three of them. And he said, yeah, I'll just present them what I'm thinking. And I said to him, something that I do often was don't, don't present what you're thinking. Don't start there because you're the authority figure in the room. So the not not a hundred percent of the time, but oftentimes the the go to of subordinates is just to agree with what the boss said and maybe we can tweak that. Make yourself the last person to have an idea. Start with the lowest guy on the totem pole and say, let's say in this case it's Nate, because it is Nate. Do you have any ideas on how we can solve this issue? And then let him speak and then say, Kyle, do you have any ideas on how we can solve this issue? And then so on and so forth all the way up. And then let, let the, the, you know, highest ranking person in the room be the last person to speak. And then you have, you know, three, four five ideas that you can actually go over with the entire team that are their own genuine ideas. And you start with the lowest person on the totem pole first and work your way up to the highest ranking member of the group. And that way every idea is actually heard and you can actually talk about and, and dissect each idea and come up with the best one, not just the one that the boss came up with. Yeah. I, I will say that that hits home for me because um, I learned a lot from the owner that I worked for in Reading, but one of the things was, you know, his, it was always his way or the highway and it really kept me from, thinking and, and verbally expressing my own ideas. And that was something that I had to grow, grow out of. Um, you know, I came down to Florida, like actually they're going to listen to me. I don't have to be afraid to, to voice my opinions or my ideas. Um, Cause that does go a long way. Cause then when ultimately when you put a plan together and it's from uh, your team, they're more willing to accept it and, and follow through with it because they help put it together. And the same can be said about the client. So earlier you talked about the trust system. What was that second E? Uh, we have em empathy, expertise, and expectations. Right. So the expertise, if you go in there and you just say, you know, these are all the things that you have to do, Kyle, the, to a client, as opposed to asking and investigating and involving them in the process, if they tell you, I need a solution, it's a done deal. As opposed to you telling them they need a solution, now they're on the defense. Yep. Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't want this. Right. But if they come up with the solution, if they come up with the, yeah, I sure would like to have cleaner air, or I sure would like to have, uh, you know, pipes that aren't going to rust. Or I, I sure would like to have a, a, a brand new panel that's not going to be a safety hazard to my family. That's their idea then. And it's your job as the expert to guide that conversation to that ultimate end, assuming that's what needs to happen mm -hmm. and doing in a, 
a question and investigative and curious manner mm -hmm. uh, so that they feel like they are being led through the process as opposed to told through the process. Yes, correct. Yep. I think, and, and that's really something uh, as a great takeaway for this episode is, you know, if, if you're doing 80% of the talking on the call with the client, you're probably doing too much. Uh, you need to be asking, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, open-ended questions, questions that don't have yes or no answers, questions that make the client think. Um, do you have any examples of like what some of those uh, starting questions could be or, or ones that you've found to be successful uh, with the technicians in the field about how to drive some of that conversation with a client who perhaps is a little bit more closed or just a little bit more private? How do you begin to get somebody to open up? Yeah, I mean... So I encourage my technicians to uh, invite the, the customer into the explore, and that's your, your diagnosing. Bring them in, give them, a, you know, give them a clipboard and a pen, help them, have them help write things down because then you're starting to develop that relationship. Um, and then through that explore, um, you know, if you notice they don't have UV systems, say, Ms. Jones, where's your UV system located? Well, what's UV? Or I don't know, I don't have one. What, you know, what is that for? It generates questions. Oh, well, you know, do... Uh, you know, who in your home suffers from allergies or, um, you know, do you, are there any, are there any foods you cook that, that cause odors in your house that sometimes you wish would just go away? Um, so you're, you're generating those questions or, um, you know, who operates the thermostat the most in this house? Um, those are just some of the questions and then they're going to give you information so that at the end of the call, Ms. Jones, you had mentioned that um, Billy and, and, and Jill suffer from, from allergies in, in, in these three months, you know, in the fall and winter. Um, therefore, I'm going to uh, recommend you put this, you know, this UV system in your home um, and it'll help them out. Or, you know, you mentioned that you cook a lot in your home and, and the smells and the odors linger in your house. I recommend this and this will get rid of that for you. So you're kind of rewording what they already told you. Right. But you're organically getting to the place. Correct. Yeah. Because it, there's something uh, there's something obvious when a presentation, a recommendation, uh, uh, an option is brought out of left field and the client has no clue why or what that is. Like if you're going to present with a client and they have no idea what some of the words or products listed on your options page are, you've, you've made a mistake. You made in a pre-presentation a pre mistake or an error in your calculation because when you get to that step, they should be informed already about what you're going to present to them because you've organically dialogued about it all along the way. Yep. And then you get to that point and you say, hey, Kyle, remember we talked about this. Hey, Kyle, remember we talked about this. Well, here's those things. Here's what this looks like. Here's these pricing. Here's these options. And then it's like, oh, okay, you know, this is, this is what makes sense. But if your doctor just comes out of left field and said, you know, hey, Kyle, we're going to put you on a prescription uh, for this. And you're like, what? I do I have a condition? Yeah. Like, what, what are you talking about? I didn't know I even needed a, a, a prescription. And you're like, well, yeah, you know, everybody, everybody needs this. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Well, that may be the case, but we're going to have to back up now. We're going to have to go in reverse to get back to why you're suggesting this. Whereas if you had done that from the very beginning through question format, mm -hmm. it's a lot more easy to digest for the client. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to back up. Um, and how many times have you had customers say, just, just service my, my system. You know, the last five guys tried to sell, sell me something and, and that happens. It, it does. Um, I had a, a technician, this was a few months back out of my Lakeland branch. He rolls up as soon as he gets out of his van, the customer's coming down the driveway. 
saying, don't you sell me a UV system? I'm not buying it. All right. Right away. Two hours later, he walks out of there. He, he sold the guy two UV systems <laughs> because he believes in the product and he had those conversations and he earned the right to give the options where maybe the previous five technicians didn't earn the right uh, to give the, to give the option of the UV system. Like you said, they just gave them a prescription and didn't even explain why they needed it. Right. And, and that's, that's where people will throw up the defenses immediately because we're now talking about something that a, they weren't aware of B now they're skeptical of it, you know, it, it, the list goes on and it just makes that job all the, all the much harder yeah. to really accomplish. Well, Kyle, this has been great stuff today and I've appreciated what you brought to the table and I'm sure that your branch managers uh, will be forced to listen to this episode <laughs> time and time again. <laughs> well, it depends. I'll have to listen to it first because I, I was a little nervous on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing fine. Um, but if people are interested in any of the concepts that you talked about today or are curious about learning more about them, is there a good way to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, I have, uh, I, I have, I had two phone numbers. Now I have one, but I also have uh, a work email, and um, you know, I also have Facebook. If you want to get hold of me on Facebook as well, I I, I love uh, just talking about the industry and and, and 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 you know everything I do on Facebook as well. So you can message me there as well. Cool, you can find him on Facebook, or I'm sure we can uh, connect you with him as well. Uh, but as we wrap up our time here, Kyle, if you you know. One of the things that we're always looking forward to is where we're going, where the industry is going, what you're seeing. You, you've risen through the ranks. You've been dispatcher. You've been sales manager. You've been multiple other positions. And now you're in this regional director role uh, where, you, as you said, you're leading leaders. <clears throat> what, is, what is like your core focus that, guys, if we forget everything else, if there's anything left there needs to be this one thing that we cannot forget that we need to focus on as leaders, as individuals, as, as men and women, what, what is that core trait that we got to hold on to? Sure. I mean, we're, we're in the HVAC plumbing and, and, and electric industry, but we're in the people business. Um, if you don't treat your people correctly, um, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, um, let you lead them. I already mentioned that. And, and, but we're talking about customers, vendors, your coworkers. Um, it's a people business. Um, and if, if we don't focus on the people, we will not be successful in anything we do. I want to, uh, I want to thank my wife for letting me uh, come out here on our vacation. Oh yeah. We want to thank her too. <laughs> her name is Dana and she's yeah. awesome. Thanks Dana. <laughs> she's, she's, she's back at the house with the kids yeah. letting him hang out here on vacation. <laughs> so he's got to get back and let her go shopping now. <laughs> Awesome. Yes, I do. Well, appreciate you being on the show today, Kyle, and everything that you brought for our listeners. We wish you all the best. All right. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming in person. It's been a little while since we had an in-person interview. Well, maybe since uh, since the Service Minds electrician, Joey Abedini, was here, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. This, this has been fun, a little scary, but uh, I've really enjoyed myself. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming, buddy. Yeah, see you, bye. What a great episode today as we wrap it up with Kyle Fleck. It was good to hear from him and the ideas he has about building trust, relationship, and making sure that you are serving your clients well, as well as your internal clients, also known as your employees. Hope you had some good takeaways from today's show, and we always want to hear from you. So if you did, let us know what you appreciated about the episode. Shoot us some comments, or if you're interested in reaching out to Kyle, let us know, and we'll make sure we connect you with him. As for now, we're going to leave you with our weekly challenge, which is the same to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.